to be able to be a good communicator, you have to be a good listener. You have to be able to listen. And even if it's a presentation that you're making in front of 30 people or three people or four people, I need to be able to listen to them. They might not be speaking. They might not be using their speech, but there is something coming from them. And I need to be able to listen to that. Likewise, even in the online medium, you know, you might be squares in a Zoom Mm -hmm. box, but I need to be able to listen to what I'm getting. I, that is, it's very minute. It's very subtle, but I am getting that feedback. You're listening to Ed Talk with Anuj, a podcast that takes you back to school to understand how far we all have come and the future we're all headed towards. My name is Anuj and this is my attempt to explore the evolution of the Indian education system through the lens of people from various walks of life. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to Ed Talk with Anuj. Now, I've been continuously fascinated with the evolutionary process that makes us human beings leagues ahead of other species of animals in ways of communication. The human body is a brilliant complex organism with intricate functions designed to give us a whole range of emotions to express how we're feeling. I mean, just to express without words the most minutest of emotions, we have about 42 or 43 facial muscles at our disposal. Add to that the ability to speak languages and express with sounds and voices and we have such unlimited potential as a species. And we're also living in an age where we're overwhelmed with content, with intellectual or emotional stimulus, where every convenient mode of communication has been invented and implemented. Yet, We limit ourselves from exploring or applying even a small percentage of this spectrum of emotions that we are capable of, or even the expressions that we are gifted with. We come across a large percentage of the adult population every day that's still wondering how to develop soft skills or interpersonal communication skills. And this cuts across people from towns, villages, cities, colleges, B-schools, you name it. Everyone's really got this question, how do I get onto stage and speak? (laughs) And to help me explore the education of communication, I have with me someone who I've known for a couple of years. She's a theatre director, storyteller, writer, and if I'm saying this right, a reluctant actor. She's a founding member of the theatre company Patchworks Ensemble. She's a Bombay girl who has trained in London, in Scotland, and now works with one of India's most popular artist collectives, Commune apart from being a drama facilitator at the Drama School Mumbai. Uh, She trains individuals and corporate groups in the art of communication and storytelling. And uh, more recently, she has developed a workshop series called Captivate, which focuses on public speaking and confidence building skills for working women. So welcome to Ed Talk with Anuj uh, Sheena Khalid. Thank you so much for coming on board. Thank you so much for having me, Anuj. I hope I got the information uh, right. I hope I put it out. Yeah, all all the information is there. (laughs) It's always a little overwhelming when you hear your own bio being read out by somebody else because you're like, wow. I I can recommend a very uh, special episode on imposter syndrome by Varun Dugirala. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a very, very real thing. That's Because I think when you're writing it, and it's so interesting because this is exactly the thing about communication, right? When you're writing it and it's like, I have to write my bio, you don't even think about it. You just put in everything there. Uh, Everything that I have been doing for the past maybe 
11, 12 odd years. Mm -hmm. But then to have you say it out and to hear it, it's like, oh my God, that makes me sound way more impressive than I actually am. (laughs) At least that's how it feels. But uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I'll dive right in. Is communication an art or a skill? Oh, okay. So I think communication is an art. Mm -hmm. I think it is an art. But like any art form, you need to be able to work on your skills. It's not an art that is um, unaccessible. I think any one of us can improve on it. Any one of us can work on it. But it is very much so something that you have to constantly be working on and honing. Just like any other art. An artist is constantly doing their rias. A painter is constantly painting. A singer is constantly singing. You know, so just like that, when it comes to communication, it is a skill that we have to sharpen. And you have to be able to look at it as an art form because then that makes it joyous because that's what it is to be able to communicate effectively, to be able to communicate authentically is an incredibly joyous experience. With, with regards to you specifically, when, when did you start falling in love with communication and public speaking? I don't know if in schools this is even a career option as communicators or public speakers. You know, we always have different molds that we tell people what do you want when they ask us, what do you want to be? But it's somewhere at some point. So what was that point for you that you said, this is my thing? So in school, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I was very shy. I was very nervous about being in front of people. And in my ninth standard. So when I was 14 or 15, I I don't know the exact age, I uh, was part of the debates team. And Mm. for the that was the first time that I was in front of an audience and, uh, you know, speaking and, and making arguments. And I really enjoyed it. I found that I really enjoyed it. But then the finals came, and the Red House made it to the finals. And I went up on stage, and I was the opening speaker. And I bombed so bad, so bad, like complete blackout. I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. My hands are shaking. And then I I made that huge mistake, right? I pulled out my paper. And that was like complete pop for the debating team. Like you never pull out your paper, your points, you write them, you keep them, they're just for safety. And I pulled out my points and I was reading it and and the paper was like shaking in my hand. I made a complete mess of it. I don't remember the topic. I don't remember who else was on the team with me. I don't remember anything, but I just remember that feeling of I never want to put myself in this position ever again. Whoa. And uh, I didn't. And and then I finished school and then I was in college. And in college, I found this improv theater group and I was working with them. And then I started working more in theater. And I don't know how. I don't think it was a conscious effort. I don't know how just suddenly I slipped back into being on stage and I found that this time around I was really enjoying it because it was more in the zone of comedy and it was you know the rules were more relaxed back in school the rules were very like you come on stage your hands should be like this and your chin should Mm -hmm. be like this and there is a certain way in which you need to speak 
and enunciate. <laughs> and all of that went out of the window when I was on stage and doing all of this other stuff. And so slowly, slowly, it was never a conscious decision. Slowly, slowly, I just started getting more and more involved in the world of theater. And I realized that I really loved it. And I was having a very good time. And surprise, I don't know if you know this, Anuj, but there's not a lot of money in theater. I don't know if you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's not a lot of money in theater. Really? Oh yeah. You learn Whoa. something every day, no? Oh, I do. Wow. <laughs> Oh, this is such a revelation. Thank you. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, so because of, so very, very simply, because I needed to earn some money, my parents were mm. like, listen, we will support you. You have a roof above your head, but mm. you need to be able to financially be independent. So you need to figure that out. We will support you in terms of, we we'll never tell you what you shouldn't do with your career, but you right. need to be able to take care of your finances. Right. And that's how I started doing corporate I only started doing it for a little bit of money and I was assisting people and slowly, slowly, I realized that there are so many fundamental learnings that I got from being on stage. My time at Commune, I started working more as a storyteller, which is something I hadn't done before. I was a storyteller in a very different capacity as a, as a theater performer. Right. Started working with a Commune. That just kind of drove home the point that what we do on stage is so fundamental to what we are trying to do with corporate training as well. Yep. And I found that really exciting. And yeah, and I was lucky enough to work with some wonderful people. And then I kind of just took the journey forward on my own. Let me, let me go back again to that time on stage when you froze and, you know, clammy hands and your heartbeat paces and you go through that entire anxiety. And it is a very common symptom of the fear of public speaking or glossophobia, as they say, it, which is one of the most common fears across the planet. Yeah. Um, 75-80% people suffer from it. And it's not a disease. It's not a disorder. It is just anxiety. It is, I mean, I, I don't mean to trivialize it, but there, is, there are ways to overcome it. So... In At that time in school, what were your coping mechanisms? What were the kind of support systems that you had which kind of helped you get out of it or did it take a long time? It wasn't in school. It definitely wasn't in school. In school, I was very conscious about so many mm. things. I was very conscious about the way that I spoke. I had a slight speech problem. Mm. When I was quite young, they figured out that I was dyslexic. Oh. They be, actually, this is also a pretty crazy story because when I was a toddler, I was playing with some blocks and my aunt had a friend over and uh, she was a child therapist, child psychologist, and she was watching me play. And she told my mom, she's like, you know, she might have a slight learning disability. This mm. was way before my, my parents had no idea about dyslexia or anything like that. And so they knew quite early. And uh, my parents were incredibly amazing about it. They, they, they spoke to the school about it. They never made me feel like I had some sort of handicap or it was like, you know, something to be ashamed of. It was just, it, it is, it is mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, these, these are a few things that are. And uh, so I had a remedial teacher. But in school, I think that it still felt like there were certain rules and there were certain methods that I was just not able to process and right, to right. effectively, you know, implement those methods. It was much later when I was in college and stuff that I realized that, you know, so many of the rules, so many of the rigid things, mm. and I experienced it firsthand, are actually irrelevant. I am going to fumble sometimes. My mouth is, my, my, my tongue will get lazy sometimes in my mm. mouth and words will 
sometimes come out jumbled and that's mm. okay you know what my hands when i get up on stage till date i've been doing it for so long till date when i get up on stage sometimes my hands shake mm. and that's okay that's okay it's this thing of like and this is something that this uh, theater facilitator once told me which really stuck with me and i think it's just such a life lesson where you give attention and focus energy grows so if i'm giving attention and focus to the fact that oh my god my hands are shaking oh my god uh, uh, this is so horrible how can my hands shake in front of people i should not i should have complete control over my hands that builds and that just becomes all that you can think of mm. whereas if you look at your hands and like okay my hands are shaking cool no problem where was i ha huh, this is what i was talking about ah. that kind of it just automatically goes it just like right. slips away So you're training your brain to to not focus on that, to not develop that habit, to not make it a repeated uh, a pattern. Where it's all right, you know, it's you can do away with it, and then the brain gets conditioned. Yeah. Uh, as we go forward, focus wow. on something else, and what you mm. focus on there, your energy goes, mm. and your energy mm. grows. More importantly. Yeah, grows. You know, whenever we talk about school curriculum, or you know, especially in in India, a lot of schools we 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 talk about elocution and debating and essay writing, poetry, prose, and there's there's so much. Most schools have activities that are intended to help students learn to speak and express themselves. But I guess that's where the buck stops with the intention to help them. I don't know how much of it is translating to action because when these children grow into adults today. uh th- they are still searching for tips and tricks to communicate mm. so what's not happening in in schools that you would like to maybe point out or or throw a light on so i think it's really important here anuj for me to just lay it out there that i am not an expert i mm. am also in on my journey of figuring it yeah. out and with the workshops that i conduct and stuff yeah. i'm learning i'm learning every day so right. i can't speak in insurities with sure. sure sure in that sense but in my opinion i think it's mm. exactly what you said i think you used the phrase express yourself mm. and i think a lot of the times with the formats of elocution especially mm. you are not taught to express yourself you are taught that there is a certain framework like within which mm. you have to work You come mm. on stage. Good morning, friends, respected mm. judges, and my dear colleagues. <laughs> I am going to be reciting a poem by X Y Z. As I walked through the field, I noticed the sunset. Oh, glorious sunset! You know, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? There's that like sing-song manner, yeah. which is nothing. There yeah. is nothing natural about that. That yeah. is not how I express myself. Yeah. When I want to talk to you, Anuj, about a sunset, something that's moved me, something that has, you know, that that has meant something to you, to me, I'm not mm. going to fall back into that tanam, tanam, tanam kind of mm. pattern mm. of speaking. It is something else, and and I think that is what happens more often than not in school training. Also, it's been a while since I've been in school, so maybe things are changing. But it's it's the same thing that I found when I'm doing workshops, you know, public speaking workshops or presentation skills workshops with people. They fall into this speech pattern, which is such a speech pattern that we have learned from school right. this sing song manner it, it starts with a good morning man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god really yeah 
So, which which brings me to my next question that you train so many corporates and adults and individuals and especially even during the pandemic, you know, when you started your online communication training last year and you've been doing so many sessions of it and what are the unlearnings that adults today have to go through in order to learn effective communication? I mean, you know, I think also for so many people it's different things. But what I always tell people when they're attending my workshop is that, and sometimes I do private sessions. Hmm. Sometimes there'll be a workshop, a group of 35 people. Sometimes there'll be more. It'll be, you know, an hour workshop. Sometimes it'll be four hours. The, the point being is what I always tell people at the start of my workshop is that, look, by the end of this session, at the end of this, uh, you know, this, this workshop, don't expect to have cracked it. The thing, the work that we are doing in this workshop is we're trying to identify our patterns because that, that's what we all have. We all have natural patterns that we just slip into. Hmm. We need to identify those now and we need to find out what are the patterns that are not serving me at all. For example, this sing-song voice, hmm. uh, a monotonous way of speaking. Um, you know, things like uh, shifting my body weight constantly. These are patterns yeah. that are not helping me. They're not serving me. Identify right. those and get rid of those. And it's going to take you time. Right. You know, because that's the thing about patterns. We learn them really easily. But we can also unlearn them. It yes. might take a little bit more time. But we can unlearn them. Identify that. And also, at the same time, identify the patterns that do serve you. Hmm. What is it that helps you? What is it that you naturally do? You know, for some people, it's like breathing. I just need to take a couple of deep breaths. Great. Amazing. Breathing is so essential. Now, come on. Let's apply that more often. Mm. For some people, they find that they need to have, um, they need to have their feet, even if it's online, they need to have mm. their feet planted firmly. Great. Why? Because you need that grounding. So let's identify that and let's push that. For some mm. people, they find that when they're talking about certain things, it's much easier. Mm. You know, when, when they've prepared, when they've rehearsed and they've prepared, no problem. But the moment it comes to question and answers, it becomes very nerve-wracking. Mm. Mm. So that's also another pattern. Why? Because so that means a certain amount of preparation, you need to be ready for it. You need to have a certain kind of like mindset for it. How right. can we bring that mindset into the question and answer round as well? Right. So it's about that. So during this, uh, this, this, this unlearning that happens during these training workshops, do you encounter more physical resistance in terms of bodily resistance where you are, you're kind of rigid with your movements or do you encounter emotional resi uh, resistance because of baggage that people carry that restricts their ability to, uh, for effective communication, to communicate effectively? How much of emotional baggage is involved there? And deep-rooted, I mean, because it is my belief, and I'd, I'd love your uh, thoughts on this, your perspective on this, that what we do as adults today has its roots in the childhood that we have gone through, in the stereotypical conditioning that, that we were put through or judgments that we were put through by the adults at that time. And then we carry those to who we are today. Because communication, it's not just about getting up on stage and talking. It's about interpersonal speaking. It's about mm -hmm, breaking mm -hmm. the ice. It's about a first date. It could be just, um, you know, a conversation in, in the office, in the, in the break room. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. communication too. But 100%. What resistance do you encounter generally? 
So again, this is something that I say during all my workshops, especially my one-on-one sessions. I'm not a trained therapist. Mm -hmm. I do not have the tools to help you unlock and identify the emotional blocks that you might have. Um, So the work that I do is very specifically communication in a professional setup. Right. So and and that doesn't necessarily mean like uh, okay board meetings and and hmm. and hmm. PPTs and stuff like that. I've done workshops with people who conduct yoga classes hmm. and hmm. Uh, people who are teaching children online. Hmm. And a client that I had recently, he is a just about to start teaching uh, master students in JNU. Hmm. He's a PhD himself. So you know, it's not just in that sense, but it, it's hmm. in our professional worlds. We need to communicate, and and hmm. I can assist you and help you and give you some tools, tangible tools, to hmm. maybe improve that. That's the kind of work that I do. So to answer your question again, emotion and body is very interconnected. Yes. Now I can say that look, I find that there's a certain amount of constriction in your upper body and, and your shoulders and you're very stiff here. And that kind of makes it a little bit unnatural when you're in front of people. Hmm. So uh, maybe pull your shoulders back, maybe relax, relax, breathe deep, and then let's continue. Hmm. Now, that's the work that I can do. I can't tell you about how the... Like, for example, the experience that I had when I was doing my debates, how that experience maybe affected my self-confidence when mm. I then went and communicated with, then when I went on a first date, for example. Yep. That yep. kind of link, I don't know how to do it. Sure. It's not my skill set. I'm, I'm not the person that you should go to to address sure. these concerns. Sure. So, so this is more in a professional setting, obviously. Yeah. It's yeah. about your interpersonal communication. It's about yeah. presenting yourself yeah. Yeah. or introducing yeah. yourself. Yeah. But it's also interesting because I think that the moment you unlock that awareness about uh, communicating in a professional environment, Mm -hmm. that automatically leaps into your communication in your personal, quote unquote, low stakes environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I've, I I mean, I've found because the more I've been training myself to be able to conduct these workshops, for me also, the learning is like, there's just so much, there's just so Mm -hmm. much to learn. That I find that that kind of stuff leaks into conversations that I have with friends or when I'm at a mm. party and stuff like that. The big thing that it has done for me, I do want to point out and say it's from the start of this pandemic, when I started conducting stuff online, I found mm. that I really needed to upskill because so much of my work is rooted in the physical body. Yeah. And I'm so used to working with people in a space. So, for example, Captivate, the workshops that you spoke about, um, we had a few batches. And in each batch, there would be eight to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my first batch had six. Six, then eight, and then ten. And we would meet for five Sundays. And we would meet in my house. So, okay. we would be, I, would, I would move out all my furniture and we would work here for three hours. Mm. So I'm so used to having sharing the same space with people when I'm working with them that when I found that I was taking my work online, some of the stuff translated really well, some of it didn't translate at all. So I found that I really had to upskill. So I was watching classes online, attending workshops, listening to podcasts, reading books, etc., etc. And what I have found that has done for me is that it has definitely made me a much better listener when I'm in a crowd, 
because to be able to be a good communicator you have to be a good listener yes. you have to be able to listen and even if it's a presentation that you're making in front of 30 people or 3 people or 4 people i need to be able to listen to them they might not be speaking they might not be using their speech but there is something coming from them and i need to be able to listen to that likewise even in the online medium you know you might be squares in a zoom box but i need to be able to listen to what i'm getting i that is it's very minute it's very subtle but i am getting that feedback this is um a very uncommon or or not a very often said tenet of communication that the effective thing about communication is that listen first become a good listener to become a good communicator how how beautifully uh, put now in this online world where we're all in boxes with constant compressed attention spans mm. uh social media the onslaught of content and information on us and literally advertisers and marketers are now battling for 3 seconds of your time yeah not yeah. 30 yeah so okay there is in there is one aspect of it where i should be a good listener to communicate well how can i be listened to in this how can i arrest your attention as a communicator in this distraction filled universe that we live in when everything around is geared to distract me and that is why communication public speaking is an art form because it's mm. like it there's so many ways and there's so many things that you have to number 1 accept that you might not have everybody's attention all the time and mm. that's okay mm. because as audiences you do it all the time you know you tune in and listen to anuj really closely and then anuj says something and i'm thinking about something else and i drift off for a moment but it's okay cuz i'm going to come back and 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 when i come back anuj the speaker needs to be ready to pick up my attention again right you are absolutely right we have abysmal attention spans now but when it comes to being online actually when it comes to being in person when it comes to being online Essentially what you are trying to do is you are trying to take your energy and your investment in something and I want to take that and I want to give that to you. Hmm. Hey Anuj you should be excited by what I am saying. You should be inspired by what I am saying. You should be curious about what I am saying. And now how I do that there are so many ways but there are like i can use my voice there are times when i speed up there are times when i slow down i use contrast maybe if it comes naturally to me i use a little bit of humor i disarm you with something maybe if that's uh, not my cup of tea i use something like quotes for a second to grab your attention and then i have it i make my point you know maybe there are times when i slow down really slow down sometimes maybe my focus is laser focused towards one section of the room and then i pull out and then maybe it's a larger focus it's constantly it's it's like yeah. it's like juggling balls it's like constantly there are tools and the thing is you can't 100% rehearse this because it will change when you are on stage when you yep. are in front of the audience yep. whether digital or live offline whatever it will change but what you have to do is you have to be able to be so sure of your skills and so sure of the fact that you can do these things that no matter what situation you're put in and no matter what arises in that situation 
you can handle it. And if you make a mistake, you drop the ball, you find like, oh my God, my audience. This happens to me all the time, especially when I'm doing workshops, you know, larger workshops. Yep. There's a business school that we do workshops for quite often. And there are 65 people on a Zoom. And, you know, some yeah. and most of them have their cameras on. Some of them are putting their cameras off. And, you know, there are times in the workshop when I can see it. Mm-hmm. Attention is going and I can see one by one people are picking up phones. Somebody's doing that. Someone's on mute. Yeah. Like that. I can see all of that happen. Then I'm like, fine. Okay. You know what? Drop the ball. Cool. No problem. What can I do now? Hey guys, let's do this quick exercise. Put this in the chat box. You know what I mean? I'm I'm just giving you a very basic thing. But it's just this thing of, you have to be, you have to, it's like you're a boxer in the ring, you know? I mean, you're not being violent, but you have to be on your toes. You have to be ready. Anything can happen. And that is why, again, coming back, the irony of this being a conversation about communication, I'm just going back in loops. Um, (laughs) But like, the thing is, and that comes back to my point that I was saying about why I work so much with the body. Mm. You have to have an alert body. You have mm. to have a ready body, a present body. Mm. So that even when things go, sometimes something drops, you can pick it back up. Right. So all of this, this that you spoke and such fabulous, you know, gems of learning there for people who are public speakers or aspiring to be, but as adults, right? Now, if I were to take all of this and say, Sheena, how do I get children in schools today to learn this and not just write or talk about your favorite season of the year. How do we distill down to school education and make it a part of the learning process at an impressionable age rather than them having to deal with Mm. all of this Mm. as adults when your layers have already formed, when you're a lot more rigid mentally? Okay, so just bear with me, Anuj. Now tell me, Anuj, can you remember the last time that you were on stage and you just had a fantastic time? Yeah, uh, pre-pandemic. Okay, uh, tell me yeah. about it. What what was happening? So it was a it was a corporate event, hmm. and there were about two thousand people in the auditorium. Wow! And this was for a company that I have been hosting events for for the last eight years, eight, Mm -hmm. nine years. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the employees who've been there for so long, they're kind of familiar with who I am. And because of that familiarity, also the company kind of every time, you know, the event happens before I come onto stage, they do a nice AV about, you know, Anu just coming on and, you know, let's have some fun. And before I've even set foot on stage, the crowd is already, you know, they're they're bursting with energy because now we're going to meet again. We meet literally twice a year is when we meet. And, uh, the AV comes on and please welcome your host for the evening, Anuj Kurwara. And I step on stage and it's magic. The mm-hmm. the whole vibe, because everybody there is just, we're all in in tune with each other. We're all joyous to see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we begin, you know, because there is a standard format of events. There's the event flow. Yeah. But now there is an exchange of energies. They yeah. are giving me all their excitement. I'm taking it and molding it into the theme of the event, into the messaging that the corporate leaders want to put out to the audience. And I mold that and give it back to them. They give me a response. And then it is that game of yeah. what can you give me and how can I you know, mold it and give it back to you until the end. So there are serious business uh, discussions. There are serious business announcements. Beachmade, there's a filler that happens where I get into the audience and go have fun with them. And 
this happens with unfamiliar audiences as well as familiar audiences. Of course, it's heightened when it's a familiar audience because they they're used to you. Mm. But yeah, this is largely what I can uh, remember. I I miss that. Yeah. I miss. Yeah. That's beautiful, Anuj. Just and it's so vivid the way you speak of it. It's so vivid. It's almost like I can see it. I'm, I'm I almost feel like I'm in that audience. The thing is, just listening to you speak, hearing your voice, I can tell how invested you are in this. Yeah. And I think that is the key. Is that it has you have to figure out a way in which you can be invested in what you are speaking about, what you are presenting. Mm. And once you find that, that automatically comes with you being able to really have a good time. Mm. And when you really have a good time, your audience has a good time. Yes. Because if the audience is like Man, Sheena is bored by what she's saying. Why the hell should I listen to what she's saying? Sheena finds what she's saying so dry. Why should I find? And so it is this cycle of investment and enjoyment, investment and enjoyment. Now, this is a really important thing to learn, and this is something that we can all learn from actors. You know, like mm. the really good actors mm. out there. Actors aren't always going to get a part that they love. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's going to be like, oh my god, this is a really bad part. This is a terrible script. but i got to do it and i got to do it well i have to do it well because if i every next job that i'm going to get depends on the previous job that i've got mm. so how do i do that actors always manage to find some way good actors i need mm-hmm. to i need to say that good actors always find a way in which they can be invested in their work no matter what something okay this character that i'm doing is really bad the lines are really bad but i need to be able to find something in that that i can latch on to and be like mm. oh yeah this is good mm. and now i've got this and i use that as a almost as a door to enter and then i'm in this room and i'm able to have a good time and i'm able to be invested and therefore i'm able to enjoy myself so the point that i'm trying to make is yep. we work when we are training children to do elocution or dramatics we work on an outside in way outside being is your english correct that is not how you say the word uh, circumstance it's circumstance say yeah. you have to say circumstance say and then and what are you doing your hands have to be like this and your hands have to be like this and why are you closing your body you know by working on this outside in version but is how about inside out hey you've chosen this poem what do you like about this poem what is it about this poem even you know you've lived 12 13 years on this planet maybe a little less what is it about this poem from all of the poems that you have chosen and maybe you also even the student hasn't chosen the poem the parents have chosen the poem for the student theek hai yaar what is it in this that you enjoy what is it in, where do you find your hook into this work mm-hmm. and once you found that i feel like all of these things na about oh pronunciation open body not closing up to the audience all of these things will automatically come and they wow. make so much more sense wow. and that's the inside out method that 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 you're yeah. talking as opposed to the outside in where it's imposed on you Correct. that because this is how it's being done that is how you should do it yeah. so then as adults also your benchmarks are constantly people from outside who are doing certain things or saying a certain way or dancing a certain way singing a certain way or or even going through an interview a certain way 
rather than what are you feeling about it and allowing your conviction to guide your yeah. expression yeah. uh, than somebody else is that is that mm-hmm. uh, absolutely okay. okay i mean here i would like to talk about uh, somebody that we both know roshan hmm. abbas ah absolutely now roshan and i have uh, i had the privilege of co-hosting an event with him this was again pre pandemic Right. and it was this massive script that we had yeah. gotten and yeah. tess joseph and myself yeah, yeah. and uh, roshan abbas the three of us were hosting it was a commune event and tess and i were furiously like you know <laughs> getting the script down and this and making our notes and this and that and we were figuring out you know like okay rehearsing 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 and roshan was really just like he read the script a bunch of times okay yeah cool 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 i got it and then we get on and the thing is in my head i'm like we have got to get the important points of the script down mm. and roshan is like messing up the points and how <laughs> like point number 1 has come somewhere else but he started with point number 4 and me and tess are just thrown. but anuj there is an ease with which he yeah. does it yeah. and finally all the important points of the script came out they came yeah. out perfectly and because he's at so much ease he's having such a good time he manages to get tess and myself to have such a good time and it went off seamlessly mm-hmm. now roshan is not paying attention to the rules that were given yeah. to us by the client which is you have to nail the script like this he did right. his work yeah. roshan has he's done his work he knows that script like yep. he's read it he's taken it in he's paid attention he's done all of that but then when it comes to presenting it mm. he's doing it in the way that feels right and natural for him and by doing that he's created an environment that allows all of us all three of us to be natural and have a good time yep Roshan I love you but if you're listening to this you're a very dangerous benchmark to have I I I mean when I'm hosting an event when you're in the room I like glossophobia max that's me yeah <laughs> yeah complete because for me it's like oh god I know Roshan's going to do this so much better if he were in my place and that's constantly my my backtrack I have to keep he's the only one who can get me to do that yeah. because after 20 years of hosting events talking to thousands of people Roshan in the auditorium and I will freeze. <laughs> so. And that's because he's just he's got this ease yeah. when he's on yeah. stage he's got this yeah. ease. And the thing is when we were doing this event together I know how much he's messing up. Yeah. I know how yeah. much he's messing up. Sometimes he's also acknowledging aha uh-huh, no that was in the like while the event is there was a, no problem. Anyway, let's continue. But the audience doesn't know and more importantly the audience doesn't care. Mm. They don't care at all because yeah. he has he's just able to create this environment where the audience is like fully like we trust you. Yeah. Because that's why communication is not just about what you want to say it is about how you want to make the people listening to you feel. Absolutely. And that's what Roshan does so yeah. beautifully. He's a yeah. masterclass in that. Yeah. Because he will pull out stories from thin air and get everyone to resonate and that's where I want to come to because You deal so much in storytelling and I'd love to ask you how do you storyify an experience? Oh, that is a very good question. And that is something that I am always always trying to, you know, bring forward when I'm doing these workshops. The idea that it's precisely this, this thing about feeling about if you're invested in something, you enjoy it. And then what also happens is the audience gets invested in it and the audience enjoys. It. Now, mm-hmm. The thing is stories have a very beautiful format about them 
and good storytellers they follow that track you know they follow the yeah. thing of a beginning a middle and an end they follow the idea of this is a journey that i'm going to take you on they follow the track that you know they follow certain rules of storytelling like um, the protagonist has to be introduced quickly mm. you have to set up what the normal is and then you yeah. maybe like disturb the normal i'm just i'm giving i'm yeah, 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 glossing yeah. over it yeah? yeah you set up the normal then you disturb the normal and then there's this journey that the audience goes on and then they come and they witness a new normal something has changed from the time that you started to the time that you end and if you are able to see these rules and apply them to your work but apply them in a way that you need to apply them not hmm. be like oh where is my beginning where is my middle where is my <laughs> end but but like take these rules and apply yeah. them to your work i think it just enriches the makes the experience so much more richer hmm. so whether it is long form communication or it is a 30 second elevator pitch yeah is it about leaving the audience with a what happened next tell me is it that to just provoke their curiosity yeah i think to provoke your curiosity is a really good thing it's just this idea of like to leave something lingering in the audience's yeah. mind yeah. uh but also it's it's a question of leaving something lingering but also to have them be able to like reflect on what you mm. said both mm. of those things are really important and good story tell uh, and good stories do that they think mm. about they make you think about what happened and mm. then also Hmm, what that means what that right. means going forward you should always ask yourself a question i think this is very important what do i want to do with this what do i want to do with this story now what do i want to do with this presentation so one thing is i have to give my audience information about shipping routes from india to europe and mm. and that's one way of putting it i have this information and i need to give them this but what if i were to structure that answer slightly different what if i wanted to get my audience curious about trade from india to europe what if i wanted to get my audience excited about the possibilities of different shipping routes from india to europe what if i wanted to get my audience energized by the the possibilities of the shipping routes from india to europe i'm just saying right. shipping because yeah, there's yeah, a picture yeah, yeah. of ship the a ship <laughs> over there but yeah you know what i mean it's yes. it's you there is that way of saying okay you know what my point of this presentation is i have to give this information and that's what i want to do i'm going to do my job and i'm going to just like leave that's one way mm. but there is other things that you can do with yes. your presentation with yes. your talk with whatever it is that you are doing so fall in love with it and then make the audience uh, fall in love with it romanticize yeah, it for them yeah and the but thing fall is, in love with it first yeah and the thing is you know what honestly work hard enough and you will find something to fall in love with whatever you're doing no matter how imposed it is on you or whatever work hard enough you will find something yeah because if i am going to be taking up 15 20 45 minutes of somebody's time and they mm. are listening to me i mm. need to make that experience count for something for them otherwise i could have just written a paper and sent them that paper and they could have read that paper but no that's not what i'm doing i'm asking for your attention and time mm. me here yeah. so you find something to fall in love with work hard enough and you will be able to do that wow wow 
So from the school girl who was shy, who had clammy hands, who froze, to learning theater, to learning communication, to now teaching storytelling and 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 effective communication. Now you are noticing an entire universe where brands and companies and everyone's focusing on what's the story. Mm. You know, it's more about the story than just the tagline or let's put a punchline that's that's you know. Uh, quick to uh, retain how is storytelling shaping our future especially in a world where because of social media and the internet we are connected to each other but largely also disconnected we are in our own little bubbles we are in our, our own cocoons yeah i think storytelling is is everything and it has always been everything it's just right now brands are saying you know using the words a lot more like sto- what is the story it's a buzzword yeah like what is the story who's the storyteller let's get them involved it's not about uh what is the story of your brand story of the founders you know they're using it a lot a lot now but mm. i think that a good story has always been at the heart of what it means to communicate as human beings always and i think it will always will be yeah like think back i mean if you think back to the ads that you remember they were like there was a there was a story behind that recently i was uh, talking to a friend of mine and she was working on a project for cadbury's mm. and the moment she said cadbury's yeah what is what do you think of exactly what an ad right what an ad yeah. and it's because yeah. of that woman and that like the story of that woman and the man and how she just jumps up and work. and cadbury's has made yeah. so many ads since right so many very yeah. good ads also yeah but you think about that, that brand that stays we just go hmm jalebi <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it i think stories have always been everything and they will continue to be they yeah. are vital they are they are vital it's what it's what makes us who we are yeah stories we are all made of stories each other's stories that's what those are our own building blocks really. and that's what we want to do we want to just be on this planet to be able to tell our story and to witness somebody else's wow so many lovely takeaways sheena <laughs> thank you this is this is lovely uh, okay very quickly some recommendations for uh, people that that you could you know give out that people could follow uh, in order to be influenced by their communication skills or or public speakers uh, roshan abbas of course i'm sure is uh, right there at the top of the list who else do you oh i feel like there's so many i think that you know for people who I, one thing that i i tell people who attend my workshops is who are the authors that you like and who are the filmmakers that you like and who are the actors that you like and and like for the work that they do not necessarily their persona you know mm. like sometimes we the work might be one thing but we love the persona and we love how quirky they are on on instagram and we follow them mm-hmm. but i'm talking about like take a minute to think about the films that you like and the the books books especially the authors books. that you like and then yeah. go online and see if you can find a talk of that because i guarantee you if there's something that resonated in their writing there might be not my i'm i'm saying guarantee and then saying might but i'm i'm pretty sure that there will be something in the way that they speak that will also resonate for you for me neil gaiman has always oh. been a, a writer that i've loved and he yes. has a speech that he gives to some graduating students and the the name of the speech is 
it, I mean, the, the, the tagline, if I can call it that, is called Make Good Art. Make Good Art. It's 20 minutes and yep. it is phenomenal. It is a masterclass on what it means to communicate. And he does it with such ease and such simplicity and a softness that is so inherent to Neil Gaiman. It's, mm. um, it's really quite something. There's another podcast that I love listening to. It's called Think Fast Talks about Stanford Business School. Mm. Short, chodu chodu episodes of mm, uh, mm, mm. 10, 15 minutes. Lovely little capsules on little things, you know, like just things that, and it can, you can listen to it while you're doing something. And, and, and what I love about this podcast is it always gives you a takeaway, something, because the thing is, you can listen to people speak and and you can listen to a lot of people speak about public speaking and all, but it can still be very much so in an intellectual level. Mm-hmm. It has to, yeah. in order for you to improve it, you have to have something that you can practically implement. And that's what right. this podcast does. It gives you practical tools that you can use the next time that you are in a situation that requires you to speak in front of an audience. I'll link these in the, in the, in the show notes. A couple of books that you could recommend for people aspiring to, be, uh, to break out of their fear of public speaking or communicate effectively. Uh, books, books, books. Okay, so now this becomes a little tricky because most of the books that I have uh, and mm. that I use the exercise from are theater books. Mm. But mm. Uh, because I find that there are so many great theater exercises, especially when it comes to speech. Um, right. There is this uh, one book called Playing Shakespeare. Ah, okay. Okay, Playing Shakespeare. Great book on working okay. with Shakespeare's monologues. And there are simple things in that book, like, for example, the idea of focus points. So when you're in front of an audience, you choose focus points. So Mm. I speak to this, the the front section of the audience, and I have one thought that I express here. And then I change my focus point. And I maybe look at the right side of the audience. And I have another thought that I express here. And then I breathe and I move on to my next focus point. It's a very technical, mechanical exercise that a lot of actors do. But it is such a helpful exercise. On just this idea of, you know, being able to focus your attention to different parts of the room. Because otherwise what happens is when you're in front of a crowd, you feel like, oh my God, I need to talk to everybody. And in the Mm, process, mm. I don't talk to anybody. It just becomes very diluted. So right. I use a lot of theater books for that stuff. Oh. Playing Shakespeare. Is this, by, is this by John Barton? Playing yes, Shakespeare and Actors Guide? that's the one. That's Lovely. the one. I'll link it in the show notes. Thank you, Sheena. This was wonderful. I mean, this is there's so much to take away from this conversation, from what you've uh, expressed and brought here. Thank you so much. I, I hope. Thank you. Please absolutely continue telling stories and uh, I'll, I'll, of course, link your uh, details in the in the show notes so people can follow you. They can follow Commune, of course. There are your original storytelling pieces which are on Commune's YouTube channel. Thank you for taking this time out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anuj. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you for listening to Ed Talk with Anuj. I hope you enjoyed it. New episodes drop every Friday. So don't forget to subscribe and follow Ed Talk with Anuj on social media to stay updated. I'll see you next week.